Howdy, folks. This is the Words of Truth from the Scriptures podcast. I'm Brian Yeager. I'm glad you've tuned in. Here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about ruling over your own mind. Your mind is very much involved in your love for God, and that makes this subject important. Jesus taught in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 33, as one of the scribes came, having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered them, the first of all the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul. Now here's what pertains to this podcast. And with all thy mind. He goes on, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. The second is, like namely this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, that is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said, well, master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love the Lord with all your heart, with all the understanding, all the soul, with all the strength, and love his neighbor as himself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. It's interesting that his reply says, with all your understanding, because the word that Jesus used as translated mind in the King James Version is a Greek word. If you were to use your Strong's Concordance, uh, it would be Strong's number 1271, and Strong's would tell you that it's deep thought or the faculty of the mind. It's an exercise or imagination, the mind, the understanding. Again, that's Strong's number 1271, if you wanted to look that up. So it's, it's you know, when we're talking about the mind in this lesson, and we're talking about the mind from the words that uh, Jesus uh, used there, we're, we're talking about uh, somebody's understanding, somebody's imagination. So ruling over your own mind, ruling over your, your own thoughts, in essence. Uh, David, King David of old, gave counsel to his son Solomon. First Chronicles 28, 9, Thou Solomon, my son, know thou the God of thy father, and serve him with a perfect heart and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the imaginations of the thoughts. If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. What are you thinking about? It matters. What's in your mind? It matters. Transformation, change, starts in the mind. In Romans 12, 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Hey, think differently. When you come to the Lord, you obey the gospel. You become a disciple, a Christian, a saint. Thoughts need to change. The way you look at things needs to change. To the Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians 4, 23, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. I got to think a little different. In that, in that same context, if you backed up a little bit, in Ephesians 4, 17 through 20, the mind is very much a part of one's obedience to God. Ephesians 4, 17 through 20, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of your mind, having the understanding dark being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance within them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over lasciviousness to work all uncleanliness and greediness, but you have not so learned Christ. So what's he talking about there? The vanity of their mind. Don't walk like those that had that those thoughts. There is, he's writing to the saints in Ephesus, the Gentiles that they knew walked in the vanity of their minds. Paul says, don't, don't 
don't be like them. Change the way that you think. Be renewed. Think differently. Oh, that's not a just a New Testament concept. We talked about David's counsel uh, to Solomon, but even when the children of Israel are being taught by the prophets, Isaiah says things like in Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he's near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord and he'll have mercy upon him to our God for he will abundantly pardon. I need to think differently. I need to change my thoughts. Whether it's under the old law or the new law, if I'm going to serve the Lord, if I want to be in Christ in the New Testament language, I need to think the way that he wants me to think because as we go through this lesson, you're going to see it draws out. That's going to steer my actions. And I need to be able to have some level of control over those things. And, you know, when you look at the Bible, you read things that point out to us that what we think is within our control. Uh, Prophet Jeremiah, again, uh, Judah is in trouble. Uh, he says to Jerusalem, Jeremiah 4.14, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness, that thou may be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Like they, they, These vain thoughts have taken up residence uh, within them. How long are you going to let that continue? What are you going to do about it? And what we want to talk about in this lesson is going to be balanced approached. Um, things that we ought to think about. Uh, one of the verses that kind of moved me to take to title this lesson, Ruling Over Your Own Mind, is Proverbs 25, 28, where it says, He that hath no rule over his spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. That's a fascinating passage there in Proverbs chapter 25 and verse uh, 28. Because if you did a little bit of, of study there and you look back and, and looked at um, that word that's translated own spirit, it, it's uh, strong number 7307. One Hebrew lexicon, Brown, Brown Drivers and Briggs, says wind, breath, mind, spirit. The mind is very part of the meaning of that word. It, and it's a long definition in Brown Drivers and Briggs. And um, if you were to look it up, you see a lot of things. Strong's talks about, again, this is Strong's number 7307. Um, he talks about the rational being in that definition. So a lot to consider in the meaning of that word, a lot to take into consideration. And if I'm sniffing a lot, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm having some allergy problems for some reason. And my nose is just running like crazy. And I waited as long as I could to record the podcast, but I'm kind of running out of time. So I'm stuck doing it, and I might might have some sniffles here. But back to our subject, ruling over your own mind. Let's talk about bringing thoughts into captivity. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul writes to the Corinthians, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. I love this verse. And anytime 
I, I talk about the mind or thoughts, uh, things relative. This verse, it almost has to find its way into that discussion or that lesson because it shows me, it shows you that we have the ability to capture our minds, that our minds don't just run wild. You know, it, my mind belongs to me. It's not of its own being like sometimes people act like their thoughts and their person are two different people. Uh, no, it doesn't. Well, what happens a lot of times we live in this world that introduced events to us and things to us that brings thoughts to mind. If you turn on your television and you watch the news, there's so much on the news that will frustrate you, irritate you, might cause you to have concerns or fears so forth and so on. If you're on social media, I'm, I'm not present that much on social media. Um, I try to make a couple of posts a week on a Facebook page to try to get the gospel out there. Some of you may may read that, hopefully that you do. And uh, But aside from that, I don't have very much to do with social media because much of it is just garbage. Uh, oh, the more garbage we surround ourselves with, and I understand that some people have more control over that than others do, you know, your work, where you live, so forth, so on. There may be things that you see and hear that are in your environment that you don't have as much control over as others do, but those things affect our thinking. So what you've got to do when you're bringing those thoughts into captivity is you have to redirect that thinking. This is a point that, you know, I'm going to bring back up. Uh, toward, towards the end of our lesson, but it helps very much if we set our affection or our thinking on things outside of this world. In Colossians 3, 1 through 4, the saints there are told that if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on the things of the earth, where you are dead and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall we also appear with him in glory. It's like, hey, I need to redirect my mind away from all these things that I see and hear in the world that would have me think worldly. I don't want to love those things, 1 John 2, 15 through 17, so I need to redirect my thinking. I need to look away in another direction. I don't need to have forethought towards these things that are of fleshly lust. You know, in Romans 13, 12 through 14, it says, the night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us Therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in riding and in drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and embering, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lusts thereof. So Paul is saying, hey, don't, don't set your mind on these things. Redirect your thinking. Look in different directions. Don't take forethought for the fleshly lusts. Look other directions. You, you can't help what you might see while you're driving down the highway, what you might hear while you're in the grocery store, what your co-workers may talk about or do in your presence, but what you decide to allow your mind to camp upon is very much within your control. When you allow your mind to focus and you take forethought for all those things that would distract us from the will of God, you're giving advantage to the fleshly thoughts and an internal war, you're giving advantage to them. You know, think about this as a war, right? A war in your mind. It, you know, growing up as a little kid, 
there were cartoons where there there were uh, an angel on one shoulder and a devil on another shoulder. I can't even remember the cartoon, but I remember the uh, the principle. And it's like, do this, or no, 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 don't do that, uh, so forth and so on. Well, there's not literally anybody on your shoulder. Uh, but that war within your mind, that conscience at work, when you're constantly focusing or regularly focusing on things of the flesh, you're giving advantage to the negative and bad and evil thoughts that could produce evil actions. Think about this in 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. Peter writes, you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood and a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light which in times past were not a people, but now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, which war against the soul. Hey, look at yourself as a visitor in this world, as somebody just a passing through, instead of a citizen. If you're a Christian, your citizenship is in heaven, Philippians 3, 20 and 21. If you're not a Christian, it's time to walk away from the world and be in Christ. And it's time to get your mind on things that are above. Now, I brought up a principle that there are things that you're going to hear, you're going to see in this world because we can't escape this world. We can't go live on the moon. So there are things that you're going to see and hear. And sometimes people think, I thought about that for a few moments, I've sinned. I don't want you to walk away with that thought. I don't want you to walk away thinking, because this is in my mind, I'm lost. What enters into your mind doesn't have to be what you focus on. And you can control what's in your mind before it becomes sinful action. Let me give you three scripture references along that line. In Proverbs 15, 28, it says, The heart of the righteous studies to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. What's that telling you? Something's in my mind, but I can stop it before it comes out my mouth. In Ephesians 4, 26, Be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. One of the things I've talked about in previous podcasts, I think that people often consider themselves sinners and things that aren't sin. In one of those areas, a lot of people think it's sinful to be angry. Look, Jesus got angry. He looked on people with anger. Mark 3, 1 through 6, go read it. That doesn't make you a sinner. It's what you do with that anger, okay? And then a really clear context. In James 1, 13 through 16, I wish more people knew of this context. It says, let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. So here, something can enter in your mind, and you can stop it before it becomes sinful action. You can stop that lust. You can stop that desire. You can allow it not to bring forth fruit unto evil. You can stop it. That, that comes back to the 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, the bringing those thoughts uh, into uh, captivity to the obedience of Christ. 
I'm going to control this. I'm not going to let it turn into action. That's where I have to be able to rule over myself. Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, he says, I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. That's self-control. I need to control myself. This thought's entered my mind. Maybe I heard something. Maybe I saw something. Whatever that may be, I know that the result of carrying out this thought into action would be sin, so I need to stop it there. I need to control that. I need to practice some temperance, okay? I want you to think about something Jesus said. In Mark chapter 7, 20 through 23, he said, "'That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. So where does adultery, fornication, murder, theft, covetousness, etc., where does it start? It starts on the inside. You know how you keep it from turning into those things? You stop it there. You know, let's say a person of the opposite sex, or if you are inclined to homosexuality, you can stop all those temptations. That So, so the, the thought of lust enters into your mind. You can stop it before it becomes unlawful sexual intercourse. That's what fornication is, pornea. Unlawful sexual intercourse. I can stop it. The thought enters into the mind. I'm going to bring that thought into captivity. I'm not going to carry it out. When David erred with Bathsheba and then ultimately murdered her husband as a result of that, he could have saw Bathsheba on that roof, you know, the James 1, 13 through 16 that, that we saw. He, he looked, he saw this naked woman. He's very much excited by that. He could have turned his body around, walked back into his house, and fulfilled those sexual desires within the marriage, like 1 Corinthians 7, 1 through 5, and Hebrews 13, 4 teach. He could have stopped the thought, that, that thought, I want that woman. He could have stopped that thought before it became action. But he didn't. He chose to act upon it. You can stop things from turning into sin, thoughts from turning into sinful action. And it comes down to heart matter. The heart being where our thoughts are. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul tells the Corinthians, and, and in this context, I mean, 1 Corinthians chapters 1, 2, uh, 3, and 4 deal in part with the Corinthians being really caught up in the idea of, of men, like they were exalting men, Paul, Peter, Apollos, people that taught them, etc. In that context, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, Paul says, therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who will both bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts. Then shall every man have his praise of God. The counsel of the hearts. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 is in a context where, you know, in 1 Corinthians 16, the congregation in Corinth was told, verses 1 through 4, take up a collection upon the first day of the week for the poor saints in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is the carrying out of that instruction. 
in that context about giving and in response to the need that had arisen in Judea says every man according as he purposed in his heart so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity for God loveth a cheerful giver so the purpose is in his heart in Hebrews 4.12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The heart is where our thoughts are. It's where our intentions are. So it comes back to what's my heart set upon? Well, when Israel erred, Hosea 4.8 says, they eat up the sin of my people and set their heart on iniquity. Why'd they err? Their heart was set upon it. What can you do when it comes to your heart? Psalm 119.11 says, The word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. If, if your heart, if your thinking, if the processes of your thoughts are surrounding the word of God, the word of God is your guide, it's going to keep you from walking down these sinful roads. It's going to keep you from engaging in sinful things. But wait, back to an earlier point. What if I've not set my affection on things above Colossians 3, 1 through 4? which we already talked about. What if I've got my thoughts on something I saw on social media? Oh, look, you know, this person I went to high school with, which I, I don't have any engagement uh, in my one social media account with anybody that I went to high school with, but uh, this commonly happens. This person I went to high school with, look, they're successful. They have this. They have this. They did this. Look at this vacation that they're on. They look so happy. You know what I wonder? <laughs> how, how do you take somebody smiling in a picture and walk away thinking that that means they're happy? How, how do you take that? Aren't you judging according to appearance, John 7, 24? Uh, I know a lot of people that smile and are very unhappy, and others that don't smile as often who are content and happy. What do you think? Somebody's going to post something on social media uh, where they're going to say, I went on vacation with my spouse. I hate him or her. I hate that I had to go on this vacation. Look at me. I'm miserable. You think they're going to put their credit card bill on there? Yeah, it looks like we're having a good time here in Hawaii or wherever the case may be, but we're $275,000 in debt. Don't know where we're going to, how or how we're going to pay this bill. Do you think they're going to post that? No. But what people do is they look at these things. And I'm not saying everybody who has a vacation picture, you know, don't, don't run to some extreme. But I know of people. Uh, let me give you this. In the past, um, Let's see, uh, 28 years ago, I think 28, maybe 29 years ago, <laughs> uh, well, maybe even 30 years. Okay, I'm trying to put the math together. I, uh, forget about that. Long time ago, I worked at an automotive repair uh, facility. I was in management, uh, and we had members of the congregation that would bring their vehicles to be worked on. And this particular couple seemed to be very wealthy. They both had college degrees. They had a big house. They had nice cars. And they went on some of these trips that it was just wow, right? I mean, 
places I've never been, exotic locations I've never been. And they did all these things from the outside. They appeared to be very happy. This is before social media, so they're not posting pictures on social media. I mean, this is this is back before dial-up internet even became a public thing. Well, they needed a repair on a vehicle. And the, the man... Uh, he told me, he said, you know, I, I don't think I can afford this, which I was kind of shocked because it wasn't an extremely expensive repair on the vehicle. And um, I told him, well, we have a, a credit card through the company that has 90 days, same as cash. Um, do you, would you like to apply uh, for the credit card. And he said, yeah, that's probably going to be the only way I can do it, blah, blah, blah. So I took his application and then I called it in. Uh, it wasn't entering into a computer back then. It was, I had to call up uh, our credit card processing, uh, so forth and so on, and, and read the information uh, to them in the office. And, and then they uh, did what they did. And, and, and it took some time and then you get a call back with the, either the credit card number or uh, a denial. Well, some time had passed. I expected it to be really quick. Some time had passed, called back, declined. And I was to give the customer the explanation. Well, the explanation was that they had very, very poor credit history. And their debt-to-income ratio was astronomically out of line. From the outside, it didn't look like that. They looked like a very happy couple who did a lot of fun things. That was probably the first time I got the true application of things don't look as they appear. There are a lot of times things are not what they appear, both on the good and the evil side. However, people set their hearts on those things, their thoughts on those things. And instead of ruling over your mind, and, and you know, the Bible tells us not to compare ourselves with others, 2 Corinthians 10, 12 and following. Don't compare yourselves among yourselves. Don't, don't sit there and look and say, I want what they have. In most cases, you probably don't want what they have. That couple, I don't know what's going on in their lives now, but they went through marital problems. They had a lot of issues. Uh, I don't I don't know what the end result is now. Uh, don't know where what you know if they're together or or whatever the case may be. But the external and the internal were very different. Don't look at other people. Look at yourself. Keep your thoughts in your mind, and don't allow others to define them. Use the word of God. Like we read in Psalm 119.11, hide his word that you won't sin against him. Let the word of God dwell in you, Colossians 3.16. Have wisdom that is from above, that's peaceable and easy to entreat, James chapter 3.13-18. Don't let the world control your thinking. Now, with all of that in mind, think about the difference between the thoughts of the righteous and the thoughts of the wicked. In Proverbs 12.5, says, the thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. Obvious point, right? Did you even need a verse to tell you that? In Proverbs 15, 26, the thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant uh, words. 
Don't let the wicked, don't let the world get into your head and become what moves your thinking. Okay, don't do it. Let your thoughts be right, and then your actions be right. You know, in 1 John 3, 7, John to Christians he's addressing, he says, little children, and that is in the sense that they were his disciples. He says, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. Don't let the world deceive you. Don't let people get into your head. Don't let your thoughts be controlled by the evil. Be right and do right as he is righteous. Give your bodies over to the service of righteousness. In Romans chapter 6, verse 13, then verse 19, it says, Neither yield you your members, talking about like your body, as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanliness, to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. Give your body over to what's right. Set your mind on God. There's a great verse in the Old Testament. And, you know, people are looking for peace of mind. In fact, I saw uh, one of our local news channels is has dedicated this past month to the mind because they're saying that mental illness is on the rise and that people are suffering mentally over a great many things. I haven't watched uh, any of it. I don't need the news to tell me that people are suffering, suffering mentally. I can see that by the actions of the world. Well, what's different about being in a relationship with God Isaiah 26.3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in me. Stay your mind on the Lord, not on the world. That, that's very much like Colossians 3, 1 through 4 that we talked about earlier. Set your mind on things above. That is your affection, on things above. That's going to keep me at peace. If I set my mind in the world, I'm not going to be at peace. If I'm sitting here looking at all these other people, I'm, I'm not going to be at peace. I read a, a, a statement uh, this morning on a sports application, and the statement was LeBron James. If you don't know who that is, he's a basketball player in the NBA. Sorry, LaRosa. He's not my favorite. <laughs> One of my brethren here likes LeBron. I root against LeBron. Uh, but um, it, it was an article where there were they're trying to guess whether or not this guy's going to retire from playing in the National Basketball Association. Well, who cares? <laughs> like, this guy, the comments that he makes, he's not happy. He's got championship. He's got millions and millions of dollars. He's got from what the world looks upon the life, right? The American dream. Well, he's not happy. He's not content. This guy grumbles, complains. He's like like most athletes. They, they've got their Mount Rushmore of, of success, and they never reach it, and they're not happy with it. Most of them just keep having to reach for something else. It's like at one point their goal was to make it to the professional arena. 
Well, they make it to the professional arena, then they want to make it to a certain team. Then they want to set certain records. Then they want to win championship. Oh, and it's not just one championship, it's two championships. Or three, I want that ring, I want that trophy, I want all these different things. It's just constantly the goalpost gets moved because happiness can't be attained. You don't want your life to be like that, do you? Where happiness revolves around a moving goalpost? When you set your things, set your affection on things above, happiness is daily because you're not caught up in the things of the world. You recognize the things of the world are temporary, that they're going to perish. When, then you rule over your mind because the world has no control over your mind because the world to you is just a place you are visiting. It's like a hotel room on a trip. You have come here to reside to get to somewhere else. And if that's all the world is to you, then the impact that this world can have on you is going to be very minor. And you will find happiness where others cannot. So in Proverbs 25, 28 that I talked about earlier, that he that hath no rule over his mind, uh, or his spirit is the word there, is like a city is broken down and without walls. I want to talk about that city broken down without walls. The city of Jerusalem has been destroyed. The temple has been destroyed multiple times. Well, when the children of Israel came out of Babylonian captivity, Nehemiah gives us some insight. In Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 2 and 3, Haniah, one of the brethren, came and certain men of Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which left captivity, and concerning Jerusalem. And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem is also broken down, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And the second chapter in Nehemiah 2, 11 through 17, Nehemiah says, So I came to Jerusalem and was there three days. I rose in the night, and I had some few men with me. Now that I told any man what my God had put in my heart to do, do at Jerusalem, neither was there any beast with me, save the beast that I rode upon. And I went out by night by the gate of the valley, even before the dragon well, into the dung port, and viewed the walls of Jerusalem, which were broken down, and the gates thereof were consumed with fire. Then I went on to the gate of the fountain, the king's pool, but there was no place for the beast that was under me to pass. Then I went up in the night by the brook and viewed the wall and turned back and entered by the gate of the valley and so returned. And the rulers knew not whither I went or what I did. Neither had I, as I told it to the Jews, nor to the priests, nor to the nobles, nor to the rulers, nor to the rest that did work. And I said to them, ye see the distress that we are in now, how Jerusalem lieth waste. And the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build again the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more reproach. Notice the whole city is broken down. But what was the most important part was the walls. Why? Because at the time Solomon writes Proverbs 25, 28, that represents the defenses, the protection, the safety, everything round about that city. A city without walls is a defenseless city in the time that Solomon wrote what he wrote. So when you're thinking about Proverbs 25, 28, a person that cannot rule over his own spirit, again, meaning mind, is like a broken down city without walls. You're defenseless. <laughs> you're defenseless. Why? Think about everything we've talked about in this study. Where does sin begin? 
We talked about it in Mark 7, 20 through 23. It starts within, out of the heart, the thoughts. Remember, adultery, fornication, murder, pride, everything that we talked about in Mark 7, 20 through 23 comes from within. Well, if I'm going to have no control over my mind, I am like a broken down city without walls. I have no defense. The strength of your mind is very important. To rule over your mind, you got to, you know, in a modern day language, man up. But it's not just modern day lang language. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, the Corinthians were told, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit ye like men, be strong. He said, act like men. Act like men. Be strong. Don't be broken down. Prior to talking about the whole armor of God in Ephesians 6, uh, 11 through 17, verse 10 says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Don't be weak. Be strong in mind. Be strong in mind so that you can control your actions. Self-control is about your thinking. It's about the mind. I am going to be faithful to the Lord. I'm going to be faithful in all things that I need to be because my mind is where it needs to be. If my mind is not in the right place, my actions are going to follow, right? When I learned how to drive, my father taught me how to drive and he made a point that I've never forgotten, and I taught it to my boys when I taught them how to drive, and that's the importance of where your eyes are. He said, you have to look at your mirrors, you have to be aware of your surroundings, but you have to look straight forward. Well, certainly, if I'm looking over here to the left, guess what starts to happen? I start to go to the left, right? And... That applies spiritually. We're supposed to be on the straight and the narrow with the Lord, right? Matthew 7, 13 and 14. But what if my affections lie elsewhere? What if I'm on the path, but I can't help but keep my attention over here to the right or over here to the left? Well, now I'm in trouble because I'm going to start veering because my attention is elsewhere. I'm going to veer. I'm going to go in a wrong direction. That's not a good, a good place to be mentally. It's going to take me off course. And to kind of apply a lot of what we've been talking about, if I'm constantly hearing and seeing things that are, are taking me off course, I need to put different things in my mind. Again, again. I need to let the Word of God dwell in me, that I don't sin against Him. That's Psalm 119, verse 11. When Joshua took over the lead over uh, Israel and was to lead them into the land that was uh, promised uh, to them and was to be their, their guide, God tells him in Joshua chapter 1, Verse 6 and following, be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shall thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. 
Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do all according to the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. The book of law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whether sorrow thou goest. How do you keep from going right or left? Meditate in the will of God. Be strong. Be courageous. When your mind, because of whatever, whether it's work, neighborhood, maybe if you're retired, Maybe it's something you're seeing on TV. Maybe it's social media, whatever. I'm not telling you purge everything and go hide in a corner somewhere and never let anything enter your mind. No, just control what you do with what you see and you hear. And when it's necessary, know how to turn things off, right? But when you are recognizing that your mind is not where it needs to be, redirect it. In Philippians 4, 6-8, be careful, or that means be anxious, for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Ladies and gentlemen, rule over your mind. Think on the things that are good. Redirect your thinking. This is a lesson everybody I know needs to think about regularly. That's why I decided to do a podcast on it. Probably do another one down the road and another one down the road and another one down the road. Why? Because there's so many distractions in this present evil world that we're in, that it's important to remind ourselves to turn our minds towards the Lord, to His will instead of the things of the world. I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. Mental health is definitely an important thing. Ruling over your mind is the key not only to uh, success in the spiritual world, but in the physical world. You want to get rid of all those problems, the biggest pill, the best pill you can ever take is temperance. Self-control starts within. Hope these things that we have talked about from the scriptures have been profitable to you. Uh, if you will tune in on Thursday, there's going to be a special episode. If you'll remember from previous podcasts, I told you that uh, coming up every first Thursday of each month, I'm planning on having one of the brothers here from the congregation in El Paso join me in a podcast. It's going to be an additional podcast. This Thursday is going to be one with my brother in Christ named Bill Lard. He moved here from Mississippi about four years ago. We talk about why he moved here and some of the challenges he faced. I think you'll find it interesting and uh, uh, biblical things that we talked about to be interesting uh, to you, be fascinating study of some scriptures as well. Uh, so tune in on Thursday. Uh, set it up to get your reminder or whatever you need to do. 
Until then, I uh, hope everything is well with you. If you have questions, give me a call, 915-525-5794, or an email, brian at wordsoftruth.net. You can always visit the word website, wordsoftruth.net. But like I like to say frequently, I'd rather talk to you. So let's find a way to do that. If you've got some Bible questions, some way that I can help you, and I will do everything that I can uh, with patience and long-suffering to sit down uh, and talk with you, either in person, over the phone, or Skype, uh, and we can, we can reason from the Scriptures and see what I can do uh, to help you. Definitely want that opportunity. Thank you for listening.